Please remember that nothing we say here should be taken as personal financial advice. This conversation is for education purposes only. If you have questions about your situation, please talk to a licensed financial advisor. Welcome to the Get Invested 2.0 podcast. Um, this is Brett Siffling, director of the Get Invested program, and normally you guys hear Ben Dunbar, who is one of the managing partners here at the firm, uh, but he's been taking on a lot more managerial responsibilities, and so we're bringing in Eva, uh, who's one of our rising stars at the firm. And uh, Eva, why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Eva. I'm an advisor here at the firm. I've been here just under two years. My background is in economics. I studied economics at UC Berkeley, and I noticed a lot of issues in terms of who was studying economics, how the inter- the information was disseminated and wanted to take a more active role in terms of personal finance, helping individuals, especially women, especially women in the tech industry, focus on how they can build money. So I'm here today with Brett to discuss different investment investment patterns, specifically uh, differences between women and men. And it comes down to the fact that women and men are different in investing and they need to take different approaches when it comes to how to manage their money over time. Absolutely. And you guys have probably seen Eva pop up on, on different media outlets now. Um, she's frequent on, on TDA and a ton of other shows that we do. Um, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, though, is you know the differences between male and female investors. And I wanted to kick it off with this one interesting number, and it's 81. And I kept coming across this number, and I found it was super interesting. And so one of the first stats I want to give you guys is that women earn 81 cents for every dollar that men do. Okay, We know that there's a wage gap. This is nothing new. But over the course of their career, career, that could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost wages, which is absolutely insane. And so the second 81 is that 81% of women who invest actually said that they've personally been a victim of negative stereotypes, including about their investment abilities, which is astounding to me since everything that I've come across is that women are actually better investors than men, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really interesting. So what we see here are two issues. Number one, that pay gap comes from women, number one, not being promoted as much as men. So whether you're in a corporate environment and they're just not in the boys club, so they're not getting that one-on-one time with their male supervisors, that can lead to a pay gap as well. I've seen studies on that. And then in addition to it, it's just not as frequently spoken about. So when you look at women and investing, most women, and I hate to generalize here, but the conversations I've seen specifically with my female clients are, no, they're not necessarily talking about investing. We've been taught to save from an early age. So you'll see a lot of women with really bulky savings accounts not knowing what to do with it, whether that's waiting, 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 pushing it off until that time comes. But That's very interesting yeah. because one study that I did come across mm-hmm. was that you know women hold about 71% of their assets in cash, whereas men only hold about 60% in cash, so have less reserves. And so, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, cash can feel you know more secure, mm-hmm. but the bad thing about holding cash is that it also decreases in value over time, your purchasing power, due to inflation. And it really doesn't have any growth potential. So given in a year like we just came out of the pandemic, inflation was about 5.4% over the last year, means if you had $100,000 in cash in the bank, you really only have about 94 and change in purchasing power um, just in the last year. So if you're not making a return that is at least inflation at a minimum, you're actually losing that money. 
And so not only that, I mean, inflation is a really good point, but also, as you mentioned, you're missing out on the compounding interest that happens year over year. So sitting out of the market for that long, you're losing even more so than you are to inflation. And that's why we see that widening gap between men and women over time. Yeah. And speaking of that gap, it's gotten worse, right? With the pandemic, it seems like more women are sitting out of the workforce than men. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. So it's called a she session, actually. A she session. A she session. I, like that. I haven't heard yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So we see a lot of children out of school, especially in the public school system, and who gets stuck at home taking care of the kids. Someone it's needs the women. to. Right. It's the women. So about 1.5 million American mothers dropped out of the paid workforce. That's wow. a stat for you. Uh, that's last spring. And about 1.3 million of them are still out of work today. So you can imagine how that's going to affect how much money they're bringing home and in turn the financial decisions they're making down the road. Now, is that across the board demographically in women or is that you know worse in specific um, categories at all? Or Yeah, so it's different. So with white women, it was about 57% in the workforce pre-pandemic, now it's about 55%. But in black and Latino communities, they've been hit much harder as far as the workforce or their engagement in the workforce goes. And about, I think, 46% of the female demographic that's not currently in the workforce is affected by those communities in particular. So when we look at women and their exposure to the pay force, and in turn, the, the uh, pay gap between women. I think that white women are about a couple decades behind where they should be compared to men. And in turn, black women, a hundred years away of where they should be in terms of equal pay. And then take that to Latino women, which are 200 years away from getting equal pay to men. That's just crazy to even think about that these inequalities still exist Mm -hmm. uh, just in our culture. Um, and it also seems that, you know, they're not just making less since they're out of the workforce, but they're also tending to invest less. And when they do invest, what I've come across, um, and, you know, maybe you can talk about this from your personal experience with clients, but men tend to be a lot more like aggressive and like confident in their decisions yes. than women do. Yeah. So the issues I find that men face a lot of time is, you know, trading fees or day trading too much or being too aggressive, investing in speculative investments, exactly. (laughs) And so women have this other issue, and I kind of alluded to this before, and it's that they're not doing anything. So all this money is sitting on the sidelines where it's it's not able to grow because you're not making that decision to grow or they're being too conservative on the flip side. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I came across a SoFi study that said 53% of men chose the most aggressive investment plan compared to only 38% of women choosing that same aggressive plan. So it definitely, um, you know, echoes your actual experience there, Mm -hmm. um, as well as only 52% of women saying that they're confident about managing the actual investments compared to 68% of men. Um, What was interesting, you know, not just the demographics that I came across, but also the different generations. So it seemed that, you know, 56% of about millennial women don't invest because they're too worried about the outcome. Whereas in Gen X, um, it was about, you know, much, much lower. And then the boomers was even lower. So, you know, at least millennial women, the younger ones, they tend to be a little bit more confident, it seems. 
And I think that's a testament to society's general acceptance of investing, especially in the last year of where we've seen kind of Robin Hood, GameStop, all these meme stocks take over into the news of where they're kind of understanding more about what's going on or at least being curious about it. And I've noticed that within my clients as well. A lot of the millennial women I work with, they've read articles and they're learning, but they simply need a little bit more guidance in order to get to that final point. Yeah, and they tend to be more educated, I have found, too. Mm-hmm. Um, women actually earned two-third of the graduate degrees um, over the past couple of years, which I thought was super interesting. And 90% of them want to learn more about financial planning and investing, um, but yet they're disproportionately affected by these socioeconomical issues. So it's not that they don't want to invest. It seems like they actually want to learn about it more than men do. Right, and they're investing in education, which is a testament to the fact that they want to earn more money. They want to push on that that uh, pay gap and make up for it there. So that's Have you news. come across any differences in um, the attitude like towards debt? Do they like, does it give them more anxiety? Do they want to pay it off faster? So what I find, which is really interesting, and actually a number of studies have been done on this as well, is that women versus men will sometimes you'll see a, uh, a balance on the credit card, but also money in the bank account that would could be used to pay it off. Interesting. And so that idea of you're comfortable holding a credit card debt balance, and until that's paid off, you're not going to start investing which yeah. I see as a big problem. That same SoFi study that I keep kind of referring to, because it was so interesting, I, I mm-hmm. do suggest you guys actually look it up, um, was that they found that, you know, SoFi, for those of you who don't know, they do a lot of student loans, and they found that women actually pay $200 a month average more towards their loan and pay them off 10% faster. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's them being more diligent um, or just the anxiety of having that debt they're taught to get rid of as, as soon as possible because, you know, paying off low interest debt sometimes isn't actually the best option, right? Right. But which one? It's the 19, 20% debt that you kind of need to get out of out of the way exactly but if like you have you know a a low interest mortgage for example Mm -hmm. or a really you know subsidized federal student loan that you maybe you're paying two or four percent on a lot of the times it actually does make sense to not pay more towards the loan and actually invest that difference over time obviously depending on your goals um, depending on your situation uh, this can all change there's always how i say the dollars and cents side of finance which is very logical very mathematical but there's this whole other side that's psychological and it's what your relationship with money is how you were taught about money how you the experiences that you went through that maybe formed how you think about using each dollar in your account one thing that I think can help this is DCAing, right? Mm-hmm. Investing over time, kind of calming that anxiety. Pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. You don't have to necessarily time the market. Um, it's all about time in the market, as we say. Um, and so having those like reoccurring deposits and systematic ways of investing, I think, you know, could definitely help someone out that's nervous. Absolutely. And I think the the main thing here is that DCA, dollar cost averaging, the point is, is that you can't time these things. But with DCA, you don't have to time the thing. So you don't have to time the market. You can get in at every single entry point on a monthly basis. And on average, you're actually better off long term. That leads to higher returns in the long run and a more stable investment account to, to have on hand. 
Speaking of returns, so let's kind of go into that because mm -hmm. I'm in the camp that women are better investors than men. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, and uh, I've, I've come across a few studies I want to bring up. We can kind of chat about it. Uh, There's one huge one done by Fidelity. Um, they based the data on more than 8 million clients that they do have. Wow. And it showed that women performed better than men by 40 basis points or 0.4%. Is that kind of what you see as well? Not necessarily to that number, but I do see that a lot of my female clients won't look at their their accounts as much. That's usually a good tactic if yeah. you're a long-term investor. If you're not looking at your account as much, you are more consistent with it. And ultimately, you understand that there are ebbs and flows in the market. And getting in at those times through DCAing, like we just mentioned, that can sometimes translate to slightly higher returns over time. Yeah, and we kind of see that with like women advisors in our office too. Like, <laughs> I would say that most of them have you know some of the strongest returns of their book even at the firm. And so you know while they may be getting paid less overall in the economy, mm -hmm. it seems like them having a higher rate of return. For example, like a higher rate of return would mean that a woman who invested nine percent of her salary annually, which is the average for women, starting mm -hmm. at age 22, would end up with 15% more at age 67 than a man who invested at 8.6% annually at the same age. Mm -hmm. So you do kind of catch up almost in a sense, um, but you know, obviously there's still a lot to, to catch up on. A lot to catch up on. Considering <laughs> that the gap is so wide. Right. And it's a pretty crazy thing. I mean, I remember reading that you know, women are over 50% of the workforce. We direct 85% of consumer spending and $7 trillion of investable $7 assets. $7 trillion. Yes. That is so, an insane amount. So as far as who controls the assets and where the money is going, it's very clear. And that financial education needs to permeate through to make sure that that, that gap disappears over time. And to echo something you said earlier as, you know, how, you know, they tend not to check their investments as much if they're long-term investors and kind of make brash decisions because you're not checking it all the time. Um, you know, there was a Wells Fargo study that I came across that said that women not only manage their accounts better and saw higher returns than men, but their returns actually showed less volatility as mm. well. So, you know, thinking from like a sharp ratio perspective, which is if you're going to take on a reward, you have to be or taking on each unit of risk, you need to be compensated for that reward. They seem to not just be doing better for the returns, but risk adjusted returns as well. Absolutely. And I think that it kind of echoes to the first meeting when you meet with them and they talk about financial goals, what they're trying to accomplish. It's generally not going to be about get me the most amount of money as fast as possible, but how can I make this sustainable for the long run? And that's a difference I see between men and women all the time. Women are much more long term as far as investment styles go, at least the women I've been working with. No, the, the data backs it up. I mm -hmm. mean, men are 35% more likely to buy or sell stocks than women. So single women actually specifically, I found, trade 27% less frequently than single That's men. That's huge. So, you know, when you're talking about over trading or speculation or gambling on Robinhood, um, they take that out of the equation. And that's probably a, <laughs> right. a good, good reason why they are doing better. Mm -hmm. Now, when, you know, at least in my opinion, kind of to close this up, you know, when women commit to investing, I think that they do achieve greater results than their male counterparts. Is there anything kind of that you wanted to, to end on yourself? I find that 
women generally need to structure their plan moving forward a little bit more to close this gap here it's going to involve a little bit of planning but i think a little bit of work a little bit of work but if you're willing to put it in as far as the investment route goes it's absolutely possible look we see the data showing that long-term women are actually better investors than men no question about it look it doesn't mean that you're not going to see men making a lot of money as well like i it's it's I would say equal on that side, but I think that in terms of closing that investment account and being consistent with your investments, that's a, a female strong suit. Yeah, so it kind of seems like you truly are our better halves. So <laughs> thank you guys for uh, listening today. We're actually going to hop on Twitter spaces, a little switch from what we used to do on Clubhouse. Um, so if you guys are on Twitter, um, check us out on Wednesdays around 11.30. Make sure that you're following Eva on Twitter, Instagram, um, and me as well. My handle's at Trades. Hers is Eva Aji. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye.